Praise the Lord. Come on, put your hands together for our kids' church ministry. Well, it's a real joy tonight to uh, have my pastor here, our senior pastor, who, if it was not for him, we just simply wouldn't be having church tonight. He's a man who's uh, led us with the gift of faith and the gift of leadership, a tremendous man of God who I'm so thankful for. Please put your best hand clap together for God's servant, won't you, Dr. James Morocco. Feels like I'm in the islands, except it's a little cold outside. <laughs> well, thank you for the warmth of your love and fellowship. What a joy to be with you. I'm, I'm thrilled to just be able to hang out with you for one night. It was quite an experience to be on the property a few couple hours ago and rededicate that property. And uh, for those of you that know little about what God did, uh, that property is a sign. It was a sign that God gave me when I said, when I was asked to be the pastor of a church here, I said, God, if you want me to pastor from Maui, a church in Alaska, I want that property. God gave me that property. And then he told me to sell it many years later to buy this property. And uh, and just a few months ago, he put that back on my heart. Pastor Daniel went over there felt the anointing, and in one moment's time, God put all the pieces together. We sold that property for three million, bought it back for a million. Somebody say, that's a good investment. We're back, and out from that property, the state of Alaska is gonna be impacted, and the world. Somebody say amen. I want you to stand with me tonight because I wanna share a word with you. I wasn't planning on preaching this, But that's normally the way things work. I've been uh, traveling quite a bit. Uh, I started out, preached on Monday night in Antioch at our extension there, Tuesday night, last night in Oregon, tonight with you, tomorrow night I'll be in Seattle, Friday night I'll be in in Texas, and then I'll be at a board meeting. I'm uh, one of the board members for Christ for the Nations Institute. And then I'll be preaching in, (coughs) excuse me, Houston, and uh, Pastor Colleen will be preaching in Texas in the morning. Then I go and I preach at Christ for the Nations Monday morning. And that afternoon I fly to Arkansas to preach there. Then drive to Oklahoma to preach there. Drive to another city in Oklahoma and preach there. And then I finally do the commencement exercise for Christ for the Nations and fly home to start all over again with all the extensions in Hawaii. So I am thrilled to get to do this, but I'm more than anything else thrilled to see what God's doing among you. Wow, I'm just overwhelmed. Somebody say hallelujah. And I just felt like when I arrived here, standing on the property, I felt like the Lord quickened to me to remind you of some things. You probably already know it, but I felt like I needed to remind you because of what's about to happen here. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Would you do that?
I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 10. I had another whole message all planned and all polished. This is not polished or planned. This just is. Hallelujah. But how many know if God gives you a word, let's go for it. What do you say? Daniel chapter 10. I want you to just to read a few verses with me. And um, let's start to read at verse 12. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourselves before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're the God who hears and you answer prayer. I thank you for this tremendous congregation that is gathered tonight on this Wednesday night. Those that were there on the property at five and the marvelous moment of faith released as we believe you for supernatural things to happen. People just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God wants to come in power. Come on, let's just begin to pray. Spirit of the living God, come in power and in might. I thank you, Lord. 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 Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come in power. Come in power. Come in might. Lord, I pray for an anointing to come on me, an apostolic anointing tonight, to speak a word of life to your people. I pray for an anointing to come on this congregation, give us ears to hear and a heart to respond and eyes to see. And we'll leave this place tonight knowing not only that we heard from you, but that you yearn for us to be conformed into your image and do that which you've called us to do. And we'll be sure to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a very important passage in my life. You say, what? Daniel 10? What's this all about? Well, this was the passage that God used to cause me to start a journey. It was a journey which I ended up writing a doctoral dissertation at Fuller Theological Seminary on demons. Demons and how they affect people, cultures, places, and individuals. It shaped the rest of my ministry. You say, well, what would a passage like this cause that to happen for you? Well, let's take a look at the context just for a moment, and you'll notice that Daniel's had a revelation from God, but he doesn't understand what it is. So he begins to fast and pray. He's into the fasting and prayer time 21 days, and all of a sudden an angel appears. And then this angel says something so shocking that when I read it, I said, whoa, what in the world is that about? Read it for yourself right there in the text. Take a look at verse 13. He says, I, I, I was sent to you the moment you began to pray. But he goes on to say, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, who's an archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I'm thinking, what? what's this? 
I read every commentary I could find. I realized few really understood it. Because you see, some people would say, well, it was Cambyses, the crown prince of Persia. Stop, stop, stop. We're talking about an angel from God. One angel during King Hezekiah's reign killed 185,000 human beings. Now give me a break. Whatever was hindering this angel from getting to Daniel, it wasn't a human being. He holds the title of Prince of Persia. What's that about? I think we get an insight from Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. When you read in Ephesians chapter 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. All of a sudden, Paul, not only in Ephesians, but he says the same thing in Colossians, begins to give a hierarchy of supernatural powers. And one of the hierarchical powers is called a principality. I suggest to you that what you're experiencing right here in Daniel chapter 10 verse 13 is a demonic power strong enough to hinder an angelic being. And that angelic being was only able to be released until a higher power, Michael the archangel, came to help him out. Now what is that about? Well, I'll tell you what it's about. It's about a world of the supernatural that we know very little about. And I'm not here to begin to assume that I know a lot about it. I don't want to know a lot about it. I want to know about Jesus. I want to know about his love. Somebody say hallelujah. But we should not be ignorant of spiritual things and we should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. In fact, you realize what the job of the church is. You say, what is it? Well, it's found in Ephesians 3.10. It says, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, he literally brought to naught the power of those principalities. In fact, it says it so clearly in Colossians 2.15, and being and having spoiled principalities and powers. Wow. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The cross is a demonstration of victory. And the church's job is to carry that victory through every generation, in every location, in every place. To declare to the powers of darkness the wisdom of God, the purposes of God, the plan of God. You say, well, Pastor, how does this all work? Are there demonic powers that try to control this area of Alaska? Well, all I know, and I don't know a lot, you say, well, you have a doctorate in the area. Listen, when you start studying, you learn 
how much you don't know. You know, I have two master's degrees and a doctorate. The only thing that I found out when I was in college, I thought I knew everything. When I graduated from college, I thought I knew something. When I got to graduate school, I realized all the textbooks that I'd been studying were wrong. And I didn't know anything. And one of my professors at USC, when I was doing my master's degree in ancient history, took me out to lunch and he began to ask me questions. And I began to ask him questions. You know what he said to me? He said, I know how much you know by the questions you ask. So the deeper I get into the things of God, I realize how little I know. Keeps you humble. That's a good thing, because if you get proud, you're going to get slapped. <laughs> so I don't know a lot, but let me share what I do know. It's a fascinating thing how demonic powers seem to linger in places. Remember the story of Legion? It's found there in Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Very fascinating. Mark chapter 5. In fact, it's Mark who gives this unusual insight. Uh, the demons cry out to Jesus and say this to Jesus. It's funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's, it's fascinating. Let me put it there. He, They say to him, uh, don't send us out of this area. They pled with him. Don't send us out of this area. You go, hello. What does that have to do with anything? It's because demonic powers seemingly are assigned to areas. Now, you say, well, pastor, we just gonna, we're going to get rid of them. Oh, stop, stop, stop. They've been around way before you were born and will be around long after you're gone. I've come to this conclusion that you don't necessarily get rid of them. You can weaken them and anesthetize them. You say, what do you mean? Well, I learned this in a very unusual way. Years ago, I was driving cross country across the mainland. We call this place the mainland. You know, you don't drive very far in Maui. And we were driving for days and I was driving. My family was in the back and I was just praying like I normally do. I was praying and this thought came to me. And here was the thought. You should walk the entire island of Molokai and, and, and lessen demonic power and bless the island. I thought, that's weird. And I drove on. I get back to Maui. And uh, now Molokai is the darkest island in the island chain. It's the place where they had more heiaus, which were the temple grounds, which did human sacrifices than any other real estate in Hawaii. 95% of all heiaus were human sacrifice heiaus, and they were all over the place at Molokai. In fact, it was Molokai where the kahunas, or the witch doctors, were trained for all of Hawaii. And <laughs> so, so, this thought did come to me, and I thought, yeah, that's cool, but we ain't doing that. <laughs> so, 
Time goes by, and at the time I had a pastor there who had come to visit me on Maui. His name is Pastor Kinsai. And the day before, I had sent uh, Cindy Jacobs. Some of you know Cindy. She's a good friend of ours, and she's a prophetess. And I'd send her to preach at our extension on Molokai, and she was going to preach on Maui that night. And uh, the next day, I, Pastor Kinsai was on Maui, and I just for some reason felt led to tell him about this thought I had driving across the mainland. I said, you know, I had this unusual thought that I should walk the island of Maui, uh, Molokai and, and bind him in power and bless the island. His eyes got real big. He said, oh, he said, just yesterday, Cindy Jacobs prophesied that there'd be a group of people that would come to Molokai and walk from one end of the island to the other and bless the island. I go, oh no. It's God. Oh no. And so I'm, I'm going, now how in the world am I going to do this? Because I don't want to get clobbered. And I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm aware of how the demonic works. So I began to pray. And at the beginning of every year, we do a 21-day time of fasting and prayer. We'll be doing that here as well. So I figured, well, I'll, I'll do it after the 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I'll bring my whole staff on Maui to come over and walk with me. And so that's what we did. And we walked from one end of the island to the other. It took us three days. And it was really interesting because as I was, as I landed on Molokai, I was picked up by the former pastors, Pastor Kamau and his wife. And we were in the van and we were, we were taking the van to the far end. Uh, Mauna Loa is what it's called for those of you that know Molokai. And as I was driving, I said, you see that hill right there? I said, that hill... There's a sacred grove on that hill because I'd studied the whole island. I said, out of that sacred grove, all the gods and goddesses that were carved were carved there and sent all over the islands. Sister Kamau looks at me and says, oh, now I understand. I said, understand what? She said, every time I brought my bus to this area to pick up children, a demon would come on my bus. And I couldn't figure out why this demon would come on my bus, and I had to command it to go. But he did it every time I came in this area. Her two sons were almost killed in that area in a car wreck that was freaky. It just flipped totally in the air. Their lives were spared. And I thought, oh my. That thing's still trying to affect people. Well, we walked from one end of the island to the next. And I'll tell you what happened. For the next few weeks, there was an incredible freedom on that island. People started coming to church. People started getting marriages uh, put back together. All kinds of amazing things. And then little by little, the darkness came back. And I realized... What happens in an area is that you have to continue to contend 
to take that area and raise up an army of people that will pray and seek the Lord for that area and begin to live out what God is saying and in so doing begin to vanquish the powers of darkness in the air. Guess what's happening on Molokai now? We have revival. We're having revival. In fact, we have three extensions on that little island. It's only 6,000 people that live there. We have three extensions there. And God is giving us that island. Remember that story where the Assyrian king came and he took captive the northern kingdom of Israel? Remember that? And replaced them, took them out of the northern kingdom and put them somewhere else and then put another group of people there. Remember that? It's found in 2 Kings. And lions began to eat people. Remember that? And so the Assyrian king says, hey, he says, you know, the problem is you're not worshiping the God of the land. He said, get a priest from the Israelites. He'll teach you how to worship the, the God that was worshiped there. Now that is strange. And it comes from a pagan king, but it was a belief system that was very real, that somehow demonic powers feel like they have rights in certain areas. And it's not only in areas, it's in cultures. Have you ever thought about cultures? You know, sometimes we get this goofy idea that cultures are sacred. No, 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 no. Cultures are fallen like you and I are fallen. Just because somebody says that's cultural doesn't mean it's right. It's like when my daughter came to me one day. I'm Italian. Amen. Paisan. And uh, it was one of those moments where she was saying, um, Dad, there's, there's some things I don't like about you. I know that's hard for anybody to even imagine that would happen, but it happens. She says, when you and your brothers get together, you kind of just, you just kind of eat a lot. And you just lay around. And you're very bossy. In fact, Dad, I've got to say this, Dad. You're real demanding. I said, honey, well, I understand, but can I just explain something to you? Number one, before you pull the speck out of my eye, take the log out of your own. And then I said, the real problem I have is not that I'm bossy, it's cultural. I'm Italian, the mafia. You don't say, please, you say, do it. And if you don't, you're dead. That's the way it works. Can I suggest to you that cultures are fallen just like human beings are fallen? Now, let me just suggest to you this. Cultures are formed in many ways. Sometimes they're formed by, of course, they're really all extended families of intermarriage. 
and there's a genetic tie there, but there's also a leader will rise up and a leader will put into practice certain things. Um, sometimes what will happen, for example, um, you'll have, uh, you'll have uh, a, 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 a tribe of people that become isolated in one given area and they don't have any cross-cultural kinds of exchanges, so they become a certain way. In fact, even the environment itself will shape cultures. Are you aware that if you've been to the Philippines, to the high mountains in the Philippines, you'll come across a group of headhunters called Igorots? Did you know they're very similar to the Tibetans halfway around the world? Their culture's the same. Very interesting. You'll notice that religion plays a huge role in cultures. Uh, let me give you an example. Have you ever noticed that for generations in Latin America and the Philippines, uh, political, um, <clears throat> there were, there, there's always been political strife? And democracy has always had a hard time. Do you know why that is? It's because for 500 years, those nations were under Catholicism, which is a benevolent dictator. So it always moved toward a benevolent dictator, somebody who was a person who then controlled the area and seemingly people liked him. So the idea that you'd have an election every four years or that somebody, that's foreign because the religion was so strong. Now here's what's happened. As the gospel has come in and the Protestant ethic that shaped America with the concept of Luther's um, awareness that all of us are priests, the priesthood of all believers, and all of us have a right to make a decision as to our government, it's fascinating how the governments have changed and true democracy comes in. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's tragic that we kind of have this idea that democracy comes about by just simply letting people vote. No, no, there's a whole concept culturally of how democracy, and the only reason the American democracy has worked is because of the Protestant ethic. Hello, and as that affects, if that, as that affects Latin America, you begin to see their governments become more stable. Are you still with me? Religion, but there's even another aspect of culture. And you know what it is? It's the, it's the very nature of what's real inside. Paul writes in Romans 2 about how God put a conscience in all of us. C.S. Lewis wrote a very incredible book called The Abolition of Man, which talks about how in every culture there are certain things right and wrong. It's fascinating to me. You know, and sometimes people have cultural ways that are wrong because of false teaching. Let me give you one good example. I've shared this so oftentimes. When I was in graduate school, one of my professors shared the story of a tribe in Africa that used to uh, file their teeth. And they'd file their teeth into points. Very painful. Well, the gospel comes to that tribe, and the missionary that brings the gospel, the whole tribe gets saved. One of the things he noticed is that they're not filing their teeth anymore. He didn't say anything about that practice, and he said to the chief, he said, Hey, how come you're not filing your teeth anymore? He said, Oh, we don't need to do that. He said, You don't? He said, No. He said, We used to file our teeth because it was a way of scaring away demons, but now that we have Jesus, we don't need to do that anymore. Now, everybody listen to me. God gave me a revelation of cultures. I'd never read it. I'd never heard about it. But let me read 
where he gave it to me. It's in Titus 1.12. Even one of them, their own prophets have said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And he goes on to say, hey, this is true. Now, if Paul wrote that today, we'd say he's stereotyping a whole group of people. No, he's not. He has a revelation of demonic strongholds in that culture. And here's what he says to Titus. He says, you do these three things to fix it. You rebuke, you teach, and you model. I've had to do that. I'll get in people's faces. Oh, it's cultural. Don't give me that nonsense. It's wrong. Because God says it's wrong. And what God says is wrong, it's wrong. When I came to Maui, I came to a very poor church. The entire income of the church for a whole year was $50,000. That's Everybody giving $50,000. That's it for the entire year. Out of that, you had to pay the pastor, all the missionaries, all the upkeep of the church. It was a very poor church. I said, God, there's no way we're going to affect this island. You've got to do something. He said, son, there's a spirit that's controlling these people. It's a spirit of poverty and you break it. I said, well, that's great. How do I do that? He says, you teach the word and you model it. So that's what I've done. And God's broken that thing. Don't you ever get mad at your pastor when he tries to break a spirit of poverty off of you. It's a real thing. You better be a tither. I've given him permission to whop you over the head with this microphone if you're not tired. Because you need to get your brains put back together. You're disobeying the Lord. And you're robbing God and you're robbing yourself. I'm thankful God is using you. You are a significant part of the vision of KC. You right here, listen to me, you right here are helping to undergird the entire work of KC on the mainland. Just like Maui undergirds KC worldwide and in Hawaii, you're undergirding it. It's your giving. You're not only just affecting here, you're affecting all the places I've just ministered in and all the places I'll be going. Don't you ever think what you're doing is not important. You're an oil well of resources to touch a world. And you be what God's called you to be. So we battle not against flesh and blood. There's things in our cultures. There's things in the area we live. What happens is that as I've... As I wrote about this back in the 80s, I've seen a lot of strange manifestations of the truth of what God gave me. I have some people that are very afraid 
to ever get involved in spiritual warfare for fear that somehow they'll get clobbered. Listen to me. You're already going to get clobbered. If you're a believer, hello. The devil wants to take you to hell with him. The question of spiritual warfare is just the question of will you stand and fight? That's all it is. Will you allow the enemy to rob you of everything good? Or will you get up and say, no, you're not going to take my family. And you're not going to take my church. And you're not going to take my area. And you're not going to do this. Second thing I've seen is I've seen people go really wacko. I mean, they're trying to find every name they can find and speak every. Now, listen, 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 listen. I know. Hello. I've studied this area. I know the power of names, and I know the importance of that in the demonic realm. But friend, listen to me. Got to be careful. Because the demonic is so subtle, they can drag you into a whole arena, and you lose reality of who you are as a believer. And you're more concerned about battling the devil than living for Jesus. So don't go there. He said, well, pastor, then what do we do? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you begin to declare a lifestyle that's an ongoing lifestyle of victory. And Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6. When he describes the armor of God, and then he begins to describe the sword of the Spirit, which is twofold which is the Word of God and prayer. Now, we need the defense, the helmet, the breastplate, all of that. But friend, you know as well as I know, if you're always on the defense and there's no offense, you're in trouble. Because after a while, you're going to get beat up. God never intended you to retreat. He intended you to stand The picture Paul gives there is profound. It's a picture of of we being parachuted behind enemy lines. And the enemy has this territory and all of a sudden we come. And God says, you stand and claim this for me. You are in Wasilla, Alaska. You are in this part of the world, and God brought you here to stand and claim this land for him. And you begin to start to take the word, and you declare what God has said. When Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness, it was because of the word. You speak that word. You get a prophetic word over you. Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him to go to war with that word that he received over his life. You take the prophetic word and you begin to speak it forth. And then secondly, you do exactly what Daniel did. You say, well, what in the world did Daniel do? He prayed and he fasted. Now listen to me. Let me, let me hear, hear, have you hear this a moment. None of us are any match for the powers of darkness. 
One of the things I like about Lord of the Rings, when I first read Tolkien, Tolkien was a, a Christian, he was a friend. In fact, I went to Oxford and sat in the very pub where him and C.S. Lewis would uh, converse. And it was kind of, because both of them were, you know, high on my list of people that affected my thinking. And, um, and Tolkien, when I read him, probably of any writer I've ever read, had a grasp of evil. And he, he pictures evil as it really is. Now, interesting thing about evil, though. Evil is parasitical. Now, you say, what do you mean by that? It needs a host. So, if you yield to evil, evil finds its expression through you. Are you aware that's exactly the same way God works? As you yield to Him, He finds an expression on this planet to work through. You see, the enemy is the, is the actual prince and power of the air here. You know that. This belongs to him because we, our forefather Adam and Eve, gave him the dominion that God had given them. And when they obeyed, when they listened to him and believed him and ate the fruit and, sang, and sinned, they gave the dominion God had given them to Satan. Satan rules. When, when he was... Listen, when he, was, uh, <laughs> when he was tempting Jesus, he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He had the power to do that. Because everyone's a sinner, so therefore he has rights to work through them. And some have yielded to him in greater ways than others. And he then manifests demon power through them. But he has rights. You say, well, how does God then work? I'll tell you how God works. He has to find someone who will yield to him. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as they begin to pray, God says, I found my man. I found my woman. She's standing in the gap. Oh, I can act now. I can move. I can touch. I can intervene. We're so stupid, we don't even pray. We get real religious. But the very thing that Daniel did was he sought God. And the hindrance was broken. Paul writes to the Thessalonians something that is very shocking to me. He said, I would have come to you but Satan hindered me. Now, hello, this is not some wimp. Hello, this is the great apostle. And he's writing, said, I would have come, but Satan hindered me. Do you think if Satan could hinder the apostle Paul, he can hinder you? Yes. You think he could hinder this church? Yes. You have no clue what's around you. Praise God you don't. You'd be freaked out day and night. My friend, I'm here to tell you that God has great things for you, but there has got to be 
deeper level of prayer and fasting in this house. I stand before you only because in 1984, my dad joined my staff and began an early morning prayer meeting. Two years later, he died of a heart attack early in the morning. I was in a memorial service for him in Dallas, Texas. And I went and visited a friend of mine's church, one of the greatest churches in America at the time. He stopped preaching, stood behind me, started prophesying. He said, a double anointing is coming on your dad that was on you. I didn't feel anything. But when I went back to Maui, 4.30 in the morning, something happened. It was a miracle. My eyes opened. (laughs) And from 1986 till today, at 4.30 in the morning, my eyes open. And I go to prayer meeting. I pastor a large church. I have a staff of pastors and ministers of over 100. I'm at prayer meeting every morning. Now, what's your problem? Oh, well, you're so spiritual. You don't need to pray. Oh, okay. Well, we got it all wired, man. We're just ready to go. Yes, you don't know what you face. The only reason I stand here today, the only reason we're now in 107 locations, moving to that 120-20 vision, is because every morning on Maui, there's a group praying every morning. And it's a large group. You want to take a state. You will not take it by just the charisma of this man. Now, he's a great man. This couple's a great couple, and the staff is tremendous. But you will not take the state simply because of them. It will come when each of you say, I'll do my part, and I will arise. I will stand in the gap, and I will pray. I stood on the property two hours ago. I said to Pastor Daniel, I said, Pastor Daniel, you get that barn finished. And you have prayer meeting there every morning. And you claim that property and claim this place for God. If you've been to Maui, our church is on the most important corner of the entire island. It is the crossroads of the entire island. It's on a piece of property worth over $50 million. It's all paid for. I'm going to tell you what I did. We had prayer meeting there. Somebody donated a blue bus. And we put that blue bus on the property and we prayed out of that blue bus. And the first part of that building I built was the prayer chapel. We started holding prayer meetings in the building before it was even finished. The only reason I stand before you here tonight is because of the prayers of the people of God. Now listen to me. There are great things God has in store for KC Alaska. Greater than you know. God didn't give us that property just as a nice gesture. 
He has a plan deeper and greater than any of us know. And the mysteries of God are going to be revealed to the principalities and powers that have controlled this area for generations. The wisdom of God is going to be seen. And it's going to be seen through you, the church. But somebody is going to have to change their lifestyle and make prayer your priority in fasting. I close with this story. One of the great heroes of the church was a Chinese man by the name of Watchman Nee. Did any of you ever hear of Watchman Nee? He died in a concentration camp after the communists took over China. But as a young man, he was so consumed with the gospel that when he went on vacation, he would go to towns that hadn't heard the gospel. And he would take a team of people with him. This is their vacation. They would go to places to preach the gospel. That was their vacation. So a few of them went to a town that had never heard the gospel. They started preaching to people and nobody got saved. Finally, one of the young men in the group said to this guy he was trying to share about Jesus, but he says, how come you don't believe in Jesus? He said, we don't need to believe in Jesus. We've got Tay Wang, the God who controls the weather. In fact, we're going to have a festival for him uh, three days from now, and it's never rained in 250 years. It's never rained on that day. And this young convert was so angry, he said, well, it's going to rain this day. It's going to rain this year on that day. And then he went and told Watchman Nee. And poor Brother Watchman Nee was so shocked. They began to cry to God. Oh, God, forgive this brother for his arrogance. Forgive this brother. Oh, God. And the Holy Spirit spoke. Where is the God of Elijah? And when God spoke that to him, they began to go from that place and go throughout the town and say, on the day of Tay Wang's festival, it's going to rain. A few people came to Christ. And on that day, it was a beautiful sunny day. And they were putting Tay Wang on the cart, getting ready for the pr- procession. And Watchman Nee tells the story. It's in his book, Against the Tide. It's his autobiography. And uh, he's, they're sitting at breakfast. And, uh, and, and, and he's, he's, he's getting nervous now because it's a sunny day. And he was about to pray about, oh, God, you've got to send the rain. When the word of the Lord came to him, where's the God of Elijah? So instead of pleading for rain, he just began to thank God for the food and thank God for the rain. He just finished praying when he heard, ting, 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 ting. And all of a sudden, a downpour came. I mean, a downpour. In fact, what had happened, the procession had already started. They'd put Tay Wang in his chair and they were taking him through the town and the rain was so bad, the guys holding the God slipped and fell and Tay Wang broke his arm. <laughs> it was bad. And so they said, oh, 
It's the wrong day. It's three days from now. And Watchman D said, it's going to rain on that day too. And for those next three days, they had a harvest. And guess what happened on that festival day? It rained. And there was a harvest of souls because the power of that thing was broken off of the people. Now listen to me. God wants to do that here. It may not be Tay Wang, but it may be the idols of greed and lust and the idols of hatred and anger and the idols of self-centeredness and all the other idols we have in our culture that are worse than any Tay Wang. Are you listening to me? But God is calling a people to pray. And I'm here to tell you something. Listen to me. Please listen. Because I've been where you've been. I've built lots and lots of buildings. And they're all difficult to do. And it's not because you don't have great leadership. You have it. It's not because there aren't great architects. There are. Or great contractors or all the rest. It's that the enemy is nervous. See, you've been under the radar screen for a while. God's about ready to put you in the limelight. You go, oh, well, that's wonderful. No, it's not. (laughs) It's only wonderful if you get there on your knees, humble, broken, and realizing that God's intention is not for us to get glory, but it's for his kingdom to advance and take the state and world. Now listen, we have just moments, just moments. In light of eternity, your brief life is but a vapor. None of us know how long we have. But as I stood on the property today, I said, God, in the moment you have given me and you have given this people, God, please let us fulfill your purpose. If you pray, You'll commit yourself to be at the early morning prayer meetings. Commit yourself to pray. Commit yourself, harangue Pastor Daniel Bracken and say, Pastor Bracken, please, please, please. We need this time to pray, this time to pray, this time to pray. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had 24-7 here? Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if people all over this valley come up to you and say, hey, are you a part of KC? Oh, I hear they're praying. Would you pray for me? You think about the life of the church in this community. Almost every church in this community has had unique challenges. They get to a certain size and they get whacked. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 
Have any idea why? There are powers of darkness that still are here. And we think we're so great. We got a big building, got a lot of people coming. We're fools. Because you don't win that way. You win on your knees. You win broken. You win humble. I believe God is going to bring you to places of influence greater than you know. You are in the beginning stages of one of the great revivals in history. Stand strong. Be the man, be the woman God's called you to be. Be a person who prays. Be a person who fasts. Be a person who gives. Be a person who serves. Be a person who uses their life in the moments you have to advance God's kingdom. Stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air. Let's pray. Begin to worship the Lord. Begin to thank the Lord that he's given you life right now, that he's brought you a part of this great church, that you're at this moment in history to make a difference in this state. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. There are great things that are about to happen. People pray in the Holy Ghost. You have the freedom to pray with your spirit. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Shabalarama balarama bati. People pray in the Holy Ghost. There's some things God wants to do tonight. Shabalarama bakotin talarama bapati. Shabalarama bakotin. some people that have been having a very difficult time at night you've been having nightmares reoccurring nightmares it robs you of sleep and you can't figure out what in the world's happening come here quickly come here quickly i want to pray for you come here quickly come here lift your hands in the air power of god's gonna hit you just lift your hands in the air power of god's gonna hit you just lift your hands in the air. Shabalarama bakotiti. Ertilarama bakotiti. Lift your hands in the air. Power of God's coming to touch you. Shabalarama bakotiti. Lama bati. Shabalarama bakotiti. I need an usher behind everyone. Quickly. Shabalarama Bapakoti. Shabalarama Papati. Shabalarama Bati. In the name of Jesus, you foul evil thing. Take your hands off of You will not afflict him anymore. Your power's been broken by the blood of the Lamb. Shabbat. Etelarama Bakoti. Be free now in Jesus' name. I said now in Jesus' name. Shabbat, 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 Now in Jesus' name be free. Shabbat, Etelarama Bakoti. Shabbat, Etelarama Bakoti. 
It's the power of God on you. I break you foul, evil thing off of her. You have no right to her. Your power is broken by the blood of the Lamb. And I command you to lose your hold. No! Shabbat. Shabbat. T-T. In the name of Jesus, be set free now. I said now. I said now. Fear go. You have no right to her. Put your hand on your stomach. There's some emotions God wants to heal. Lord, cause the oil of healing to flow in her emotions. I speak healing to those areas right now. In Jesus' name, be set free. Mind you no longer will be afflicted. Your power's broken now, you foul thing. Take your hands off now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God's power's on you, honey. In the name of Jesus, I break off every foul attack of the enemy. Fear be broken off now. You have no right to hurt. In Jesus' name. God's doing something for you, honey. People just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. The Lord himself will strengthen you and he will help you and you will not be distracted. You will fulfill what you've heard of the Lord say to you you will do his will and the things of the past will not hinder you any more from this moment on
Stand right here, Pastor Karen. Staff, come here. Come here. Come here. Come, 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 come. Put your hands out to them. a Jeremiah or an Isaiah, a John the Baptist. You've always had vanguards, people that take a step ahead and lead others. of darkness broken off the masses of this state to see a world touched so spirit of God come come now in power and in might come upon them now Jesus, fill them overflowing with an anointing that will break yokes. Shabbat Eti. There's going to be an anointing that's going to hit this house right now. So how do you know that? This team's going to come lay hands on everybody in the house. Some of you that never prayed, you're going to start to pray. Some of you that were in and out, you're going to be in. You're going to be on the team. You're going to do great things for God. You know that. Shabbat, teep, teep. Come on, staff, lay hands on everybody. Shabbat, Ramabat, teep, 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 teep. Holy Ghost, come on him now. That's the power of God on you, sir. Shabbat. He's freeing you from every bondage. You foul thing, take your hands off of him. Shabbat. Be free in the name of the Lord. I declare you will be the man of God. God's called you to be. Even when you were young, you had, you had thoughts of wanting to be used by God. Shabbat. power of God on you. Come on, pastors, ministers, staff, lay hands on people. Power of God's here. Shabbat 
for them you're going to pray that they'll be strong in prayer they'll be mighty God's raising up an army Lord as we pray one for another come on pray right out loud for them Father we pray one for another we pray for an army to be formed here in Mosul and Anchorage and over there in Bristol Bay and in Delta Junction Everywhere you've planted KC in Florida, raise up an army of people in every location that has come out of this place. An army of people that will pray fast. We'll begin to declare the victory of the cross in their community. Every family will be touched. Businesses will be touched. And a wave of revival will sweep this place. That which they've longed for for generations would come forth in our generation. Lord, I thank you for it and I praise you. I praise you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that God's going to give us great victory here, I want you to 
do what the Bible says. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. you to be seated for just a moment because I want you to do something with me. When I stood on the property, I realized we got to get that building open. And there's stuff that still needs to be done. That takes money and work. So I brought some money. And so did you. So we're going to receive an offering for that building over there. Is that all right? You're not going to get mad at me for giving? Thank you very much. So I'm going to have the ushers come. Give me an envelope. I'm going to give $100. There's others. You'll give $100, $200, whatever. You give whatever you feel like. 1000 Do it. But I don't have my checkbook and I have a $100 bill in here. So I figure I'll give that. You can do an IOU. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. You are really something. Listen, I got lots of projects I've got to give to. This is one of many, many. All right. Well, I'm going to reach my goal this year in giving. How many are going to reach their goal in giving this year? Three people had a goal. Four, five. Thank you. Come on. I'm stirring you to love and good works. I'm going to reach my goal. You have any idea what my goal was? It's 100000 I'm $10,000 away. No, I'm 9900 All of you ought to have a goal for giving. Why don't you do that? You just decide. How big is your God? God spoke to me. Many years ago, say, give $1,000 a week. I said, you're kidding me. How am I going to do that? I'm a pastor. I don't make a lot of money. But I said, I'll try. He gave me one idea in the stock market, and I made a lot of money. I gave 64000 that year. And then 58, and then 52, and then 68. And when he got 68, he said, now double it. That was many years ago every year. That's been my goal. So how do you do it? I have no clue. I give and I receive. I believe. I've had people walk up to me and say, God spoke to me to give you this. So I give it in the offering. Guy Sunday walked up to me, gave me a hundred dollars. Right after he gave me, the service was over. A guy came up and said, oh, pastor, I'm really going through a hard time. I said, oh, I got $100 for you. <laughs> God gives to pass it on to those in need. Right? You all know that, right? Don't look at me strange. What's going on here? How many wouldn't mind God blessing you huge beyond what you can imagine? He's done that to me. Huge, beyond anything you can imagine. It's all been supernatural. So, I don't have any problem speaking it over your life. All right? I'll be back here sometime in May, April, May, or sometime around there, screaming holler at you again. You better show up or I'll have to come after you. You know that, don't you? 
All right. Come on, I think we're ready. Pastor Daniel, you're going to be leading this charge, so you better come up here and pray. Got a pen? What a word. That was the word of the Lord for the valley. I'm just telling you, that's what it was. Come on, you can put a better hand clap together for the Lord. Amen. My wife and I were just talking about it. It's even been in some of my preaching over the past uh, couple weeks. And we're going to pray over this, doctor, but i got to do one more thing while we're doing this. In the next 60 days, how many of you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to be a part of morning prayer. Now, before you raise your hand, 60 days at nothing. Morning prayer is 5.30 in the morning to 6.30. Now, Dr. Morocco is going to be leading our morning prayer tomorrow morning, 5.30 in the morning right here, 5.30 to 6.30. My whole staff will be here. I'll be here. Then we have a time from 7 to 8. All right, and you can be a part of that. It's in the bulletin. It's on the website. All right, now, I know some of you are driving to Anchorage. You can't make it. Got some good reasons why. All right, I'm going to say in the next 60 days, I'm going to commit myself to prayer, morning prayer. Morning prayer. All right, three times a week. Fair enough. Morning, raise your hand high. All right, write down their names right now. I'm just teasing. I'm messing with you. Only 60 days. All right. You're more gracious than me. You always go 90. I always go 90. All right, come on. All, all of you, they're going to pray at least three times a week at early morning prayer me for the next 60 days. Good. Now, I'm going to pray a blessing on you after we pray for this offering. All right. Now, how, how many of you would say, listen, I can't be here for early morning prayer meeting, but I will pray at least an hour a day for the church, for my family, for all the things I need. Let me see your hand lift up. All right. Now, how many say, Pastor, look, hour a day, that's heavy lifting for me. But I'll pray more than I prayed the last 60 days. How many to do that? Amen. All right. Now, you know what? Hold it. Stop. The Lord just spoke to me. Every head bowed for a moment. You might be here and you've never given your heart to the Lord. You need to get saved and you need to get saved tonight. Don't walk out of this building without knowing that your sin's forgiven and heaven's your home. Please. You're only one heartbeat away from hell. You'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life tonight. Pastor, pray for me. Let me see your hand. Slip it up real high. Quickly, quickly, quickly. All over the auditorium. Yes, God bless you. 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 I mean, say, Pastor, God bless you guys. Say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I drifted away. I want to come back home to the Lord. Let me see your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Everyone in the building, lift both hands in the air. Make this your prayer right now, please. Right out loud. Dear Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. I receive what you did for me when you died in my place for my sins. And when you rose again, so I could have eternal life. Jesus, come into my life now. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.
Hallelujah. A lot of people got right with God tonight. Give the Lord another hand. Now pray over this offering, Pastor Daniel. All right, come on, hold your offering up to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, it is a militant church. It's a militant church that's going to take the land. And God, you've called us to be just that. I thank you for the body of Christ in the valley. I thank you for, Lord, that which those bodies that are preaching the word of God. We're thankful for what you're doing, what you've done. And Lord, as we sow a seed, as we give an offering tonight, I pray, Lord, that it would be more than enough to be able to finish that barn, to be able to make that a house of prayer. That we would see a house of prayer. You said my house will be a house of prayer, even from all nations. Malachi 1 and 11 says, From the rising of the sun unto the place of its going down, and the name of the Lord shall be great among the Gentiles, and incense will arise in every place. Lord, incense in the book of Revelation, a picture of prayer. Let a mighty prayer movement begin. Let a mighty prayer movement begin, even ushering in a tremendous revival. Thousands upon thousands saved. Give us the state of Alaska. Alaska, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. Come on, say it like you mean it. Alaska, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. Come on, one more time. Alaska, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, United States of America, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. If you believe that to be the will of God, say amen. 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 Ushers, would you go right ahead? As we sing hallelujah, we sing doing a series on the Gospel of Luke. And I came to the end of the Gospel of Luke and I saw something I'd never seen. I've read the Bible hundreds of times. Jesus was ascending and he lifted his hands and he blessed his disciples. I said, my, what's he doing that for? Then it dawned on me, he's the high priest from the order of Melchizedek and the job of the priest was to bless the people. And so from that day on, when I conclude a Sunday morning service, I conclude it with blessing the people. And since I'm not going to be here Sunday morning, I figured you get the blessing tonight. Hey, hey, Pastor. Is that all right? 
From that day on, I've done the same thing. Awesome. <laughs> He's a good disciple. Good man. You got a great man here. You know that. Now listen, you better take good care of him. Take good care of this whole staff. They're, they're some of my very finest. They really are. And I, I, I'm, I thrill. I get, I get excited at every victory you guys have. So I'm going to bless you. Is that all right? Yes, lift your hands. I lift my hands, Lord, to this great people. Bless them in the city. Bless them in the field. Bless them on their jobs and in their homes. May, their, may your face shine upon them and give them peace. May they be the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower above and not beneath. May they prosper and be in health as their soul prospers. Surround them with loving kindness and tender mercies. Let your angelic host protect them from all evil. May they walk in your spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. May they overcome every temptation. May your power flow through them. People healed and delivered and set free through their life. May their prayers be answered. May favor come to them everywhere they go. May they find it. May they be in the right place, right time for divine appointments. May their children rise up and call them blessed. May this be a season of multiplication for them. In the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, in their health and wealth, in their witness. And Lord, may your name be glorified through them. We declare it done. In the mighty name of Jesus and all in agreement with that blessing, say... Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you over the weekend. God bless you. Praise the Lord.